And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Jeez! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Does it tame and tame and tame again? Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! The classic protagonists of a textbook pitch invasion, the transfer gossip column stars who simply won't ever make it to the Premier League no matter how hard we try, the eccentric, swashbuckling, impish and talismanic selections for our adjective 11, and a forensic analysis of Richard Keyes and Andy Gray on who wants to be a millionaire. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 159 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry, alongside me once again is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Good, how are you? Yeah, not bad. Um, hot on the heels of uh, Keezy talking about big say-nos, um, listener Ollie Hain gets in touch and has pointed us towards um, a list of shareholders in Sainsbury's. <laughs> Pazena Investment Management, Schroeder's PLC, BlackRock, Visa Equity Investment and... With a colossal 335 million shares, Qatar Holdings. Wow. Is that, is that then food washing? Grocery washing? <laughs> yeah. Nowhere sacred, is it? Nowhere no. is sacred. No. But it's so much more than that. It's like an institution. So it's, uh, it really is a way of life washing. Mm. As long as they don't get their claws into MS. Maybe they already have. Uh, alongside you, of course, is David Walker. Dave, crunch nine aside clash on Tuesday night between The Athletic and CNN, who hmm. on paper I wouldn't fancy for this sort of thing. How did it go down? Yeah, the, the lesser spotted nine aside hmm. game was unfortunately a 4-1 defeat for the Athletic. However, in mitigation, three of those four goals were, well, one was a fluke. The other two were pretty hapless pieces of this is goalkeeping like and, and, and defending. So Average basically, goal. it was one all, really. Yeah, oh, okay. I, 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 I genuinely would love to see the XG as well. I really yeah. think we would have had a much higher XG. But, you know, a nine-a-side is weird. I don't think I've ever played nine-a-side before. They seemed quite well-versed. with your mind. Yeah, it's just a bit... It's, I mean, you sort of got, I think by the second half we got used to it, but... The moment of the match for me was when I was off on the sidelines in the second half and Charlie Eccleshare, experienced 11-a-side footballer, as listeners to this podcast will be well aware of, was sort of anxiously remonstrating to the touchline when he found himself playing centre-back saying, I don't, know, I don't know how to play this position. I've never played there before. Can someone else go centre-back? Deadly seriously, I bet, as well. Yeah. 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 It, well, it, it, 
as anyone who's ever played with me will know that is that's a justifiable position a justifiable position for me to take i mean i never have played 10 but and i was i was all at sea luckily it, it was in the middle of a three <laughs> as well and the three were like no interest in defending so yeah i, I was were you at sixes playing. and sevens I was, although I don't think I actually was played there long enough to be at sixes and sevens oh, okay. because mercifully, um, after about a minute, I was able to swap with someone without actually having had to do anything. I would have thought centre-half is one of those positions you can style out, you know, just act out as if you were being that person. It's, I think it's really easy just to play that role and look like you know what you're doing. Yeah, I should I, I should yeah, just embrace basics. that side of it. Yeah, mm, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, to not to worry. I uh, don't know who we're playing next, but hurry, set to return, I can assure you, at least in goal, just to shore up the defence. What's our entry? Yeah, good question. Anyway, um, let's have a little brief adjudication panel, shall we? A um, couple of matters to pick up on from the last 48 hours or so. Bournemouth, back in the Premier League, Dave. Um mm. Mm, it's some there's some weariness around about Bournemouth coming back to the Premier League, with all due respect to the South Coast outfit. I think I think it's sort of twinned with Fulham as well. I mean, you know, not to not to get into uh, the business of sport podcast territory, but um, <laughs> you know, parachute payments does seem to mean that we are going to get the same sort of team just going up and down more frequently. Like there's always been this thing of like yo-yo clubs or whatever, but. It seems more frequent now. Like, you seem to be, you know, used to get, like, the old West Brom coming up and down and then it would be a mixture of people. But now, if, you, if you're going to get the same two or three clubs going up and down, if Norwich and Watford come back up again next season, yeah, even as a Watford fan, I'd sort of understand the general Premier League fans' apathy towards that sort of situation. That's, I mean, that's absolutely fine. Obviously, that, you know, that's, that's big picture stuff. But, Charlie, it kind of insulated from all of this, despite the fact that Bournemouth were geared to come all the way back up quite quickly. Despite that, their promotion was sealed with a late win over Nottingham Forest on Tuesday night. And uh, a pitch invasion took place. There was no hint of, you know, this is by the numbers, we were expected to do this anyway. Um, Classic pitch invasion scenes. And once again, I just, I looked at the scenes unfolding. I thought, I can't think of many worse places to be than be a visiting player in the middle of a Mm. gleeful pitch invasion, which is also at your expense as well because you needed to win the game. Um, Yeah. My eyes were always drawn to the players, thinking, who's harassing them? What's happening? And uh, they didn't want to kind of quickly run off because it makes them look like they're scared. So it's a really horrible place to be, basically. Yeah. Just get your head down, dignified. There's nothing you can do or say in that situation, is there? That is that is horrible. But yeah, I mean, Bournemouth, they, they did have one season in there, didn't they? They, didn't, they haven't come straight back up. Yeah. Not, not, second, not yeah. a full oh, year. Exactly. They were right. in the playoffs My last apologies. year. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. I think it's the big... Would you say that, being a visiting player in a pitch invasion? I think it's like one of the big things that people forget about that famous Troy Deeney goal for Watford in 2013 mm. and the ensuing pitch invasion after that moment is that Anthony Knockart, who has, who has kick-started that whole unbelievable sequence of events by missing a penalty and the rebound, is in tears mm. in the middle of it. Like, that's the, the worst possible example of what you're talking about. Not only is he a visiting player, he's responsible, directly responsible for yeah. everything that's happening around him. Mm. And he's in tears. And like, what can he do? <laughs> what can he do? Genuinely fair play to him for ever playing again. I mean, must that be must like have some been... sort of bad dream. Yeah, that that whole that whole Dini goal. I do always just think of him missing the penalty and how horrific that must have been. Awful. Um, it did make me think about the classic protagonists of a textbook pitch invasion. Um, listener Sam Munnery writes in and said, "There's always at least one person um, engaging in some mild goading of the opposition players on on their way towards celebrating with their own players. Um, quite an art form, I think, Dave. The goading of opposition players. I think it's, it's, it's quite a drive-by thing." 
because no one's re- the average fan hasn't got the courage to really go face to face unless they are really you know you know might sort of slap them on the back sort of thing <laughs> I, 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 or not even touch them sort of go uh, around their aura as in yeah sort of but then there's also a similar in in the similar sort of sphere is the earnest trying to ha- shake the hands of the players who've lost <laughs> <laughs> like no no seriously mate unlucky yeah fair um, yeah. well fair play oh, unlucky God. mate yeah. <laughs> just they don't want it Leave yeah. him alone. But, I mean, it's it's just, it's just another element, Charlie. Of if you get the opportunity to touch a professional footballer, you you can't turn it down. Yeah, but, but you're right. I think drive-by is a really good description of it because they'll they'll often be the as you're running a sort of maybe like the sticking like a finger skip. up, but it's you're like a doing skip it along, as you go, so, you can, so you're you safe. Can face them and then yeah. flick the V's. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, absolutely. but you're yeah. you're sort of uh, you're safe. Francis Foles writes in Dave and says, there's always a set of crutches being waved around. <laughs> That's so true. Statistically, there's always going to be so- yeah. at least one person with a set of crutches. It's a great point. At all times. We're kind of obliged to frown upon these scenes, Charlie, but um, it isn't all about violence. It isn't all about manic um, endangerment of people's safety. Uh, Mike Bailey writes in and says... There's always a somewhat incongruous middle-aged man strolling around the pitch looking wistfully at the stands, reminiscent of lower league manager surveys, empty stadium prior to TV interview in the 1990s. There are some sort of casual pitch invaders. They tend to be of a, of a more advanced age, I think. I guess why not? I mean, you, you know, the, the, the opportunity is there. You're not yeah. doing it in an aggressive way, but everyone else is doing it. Might be a last chance to get on the pitch. Yeah, but yeah, I mean... Dave, I do wonder, though, I mean, maybe this threshold has never been threatened too often, but at what point do banning orders stop and it just starts to become, wow, you know, Mm. they got carried away, it's fine. I mean, it's it's an all or nothing situation. You can't just ban some people. So how many people would have to invade a pitch for them to get banned? And then after that, it becomes, oh, it's fine, we'll forget about it. Or how few people would have to invade the pitch. Correct. I suppose. Um, It's a good question. I think... (laughs) One of the authorities. Uh... Fewer than twenty. Well, the thing is, you never—it's like you said, you, it's either one person or very occasionally like three, like three people, point, sort of there? just at the just at the front of the stand when, yeah. in a celebration moment, mm. who sort of jump in and kind of try and get back into the crowd or whatever. Yeah. You never, you never see like twenty-five people just no. going on together. No. And then it—it's it, it's yeah, three I, or three thousand. I think once you basically once you get into sort of double figures, then that even might sort of break the kind. Everyone, you know, it kind of encourages those sort of floodgates. Just yeah, the floodgates are open. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, similarly, Charlie Fulham have had two pitch invasions: one for getting promoted and one for winning the championship in in the space of a few days. I mean, where do you stand on that? I mean, it's. I mean, they both feel pitch invasion worthy, mm. don't they? I get. I mean, I, I think. I think the spontaneity point Dave makes is key. If if it is just the moment takes them, that's one thing. If during that seven nil, they were sort of get, you know limbering up for the pitch invasion, which they probably were. I mean, they had a long enough lead time. They knew it was coming. Yeah, they were probably thinking about doing it twelve hours earlier. So you know mm. that's not spontaneous. The calm before the storm of the pitch fine. invasion. It's a tricky concept. It but, is. Um, but speaking of Fulham, Dave, you mentioned yo-yo clubs just there. Um, Fulham's vice chairman and director of football operations, Tony Khan, gave an interview with the Athletics' Danny Taylor this week. One quote jumped out to many people. He said, I don't want Fulham to be a yo-yo club. I just want us to be a yo club. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as listener Jamie Ward writes in, he says, he's got it wrong here. The first movement a yo-yo makes is downwards. 
The upward yeah. movement is reflected in the second yo, so he just wants <laughs> for them to go down. <laughs> That's uh, superb, superb. A man after my own heart, <laughs> taking that very literally. I mean, there's an American aspect to this, of course, Charlie, as well. I think it's quite a nice quote if you just focus on that part. Yeah, yeah. You can see what he's. You can see vaguely where he was going, <laughs> um, and he probably wasn't anticipating being taken quite so literally. But if you're a public figure. <laughs> That's going to happen. Being being a yo club then, as the, in the way that the listener suggests, would mean it's like you know when you had those fancy yo yos that you could do the the ball bearings in, and you can do that thing where they just stay down at the bottom mm. spinning. That would be Fulham staying down in the championship, spinning yeah. forever. That's like doing a Leeds, isn't it? Mm. All the way down to League One, and yeah. then eventually coming back up spectacularly. Yeah, okay. Charlie, I'm proud to reveal the new holder of the coveted title of much-linked South American striker who will never actually play in the Premier League no matter how many times he appears in the daily BBC Sport gossip column, and that's Benfica striker Darwin Nunez. It's not going to happen. I'm telling you now, it's the early rumblings of a of a, of a a kind of enduring ever-present in the gossip columns. It's not going to happen. No one knows what he looks like. No one's seen him play. Interesting. You think Darwin Nunes is going to be the Leandro Damian? <laughs> I mean, have you been burnt? I mean, did you get excited thinking that we were finally going to get to see Damian and the others, and then no, had your heart broken? No, it's no. This isn't no. This isn't um. This isn't me sort of um, safeguarding myself against future disappointment. This is this is just me speculating on a list of players who I think are the new wave, the new generation of transfer gossip kind of perennials. Let me give you some others because some of these are going to miss. Well, all of these are going to miss the boat. It's just not happening. They're not coming to the Premier League, I'm sorry. Duye Cheleta Tsar, yep. the Marseille defender, he's past the point of being linked so often that he's not allowed to come to the Premier League anymore. Not going to happen. Bear in mind, I don't care about work permit rules here. This isn't part of the equation. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. Really uh, stepping on Matt Slater's toes <laughs> again. Um, Denzel Dumfries, Dave. He's not coming to the Premier League. Okay. Ooh, I've not heard think... him linked too much, to be honest. But, uh, he has. Yeah. But, I, yeah. but I think he might be in a few years when he's past his best that he's... Uh, kind of newly promoted or lower mid-table club. Yeah, or, ma- or maybe him after he's had a serious injury. Or maybe once very Everton or Newcastle uh, finally Everton-y, decide which one they it? want to sign. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stefan de Vrij, Charlie could have signed for Spurs at some point, but he's not going to, and therefore he will never. Yeah, I think he probably has missed the boat. Mm. I mean, he's pretty old now. I think thirty, thirty. Unless could mm. Villa could Burnley make a rare exception and sort of, you know in a kind of veghorsty sort of way and bring yeah. him in yeah he's gonna play for someone who play in claret definitely one of the claret <laughs> teams um the, the door remains slightly ajar for stefan de Vrij. sergei milinkovic savic david mm. a player who does not exist he doesn't exist it's a complete myth yeah and also I'm, I'm sure i saw something recently on twitter which is another sort of little nice little wrinkle to this sort of world is that there was a Milinkovic Savage at Manchester United like in the youth team wow. but he was a different one but there was like some confusion there was, there was some Man United fan going oh I can't believe we let Milinkovic Savage go when he was 17 we're gonna have to buy him back somebody was like oh it was a different one oh, <laughs> that's good so in that case that seals the deal even more um Charlie some more names for you Alessandro Bastoni, Patrick Schick Paolo Dybala Aurelian Chiumeni. They're not happening. I'm sorry. It's I not going to happen. Dybala, again, could he do like a Rodriguez to Everton in a year or two? But no one's going to want to do those sorts of signings anymore. They've, I mean, they've seen what happens. I really do fear for the kind of take a punt on them, um, mercurial European-based playmaker-y type player. I, just, I can't see it happening anymore. You think the clubs have finally learned? Yeah, I think so. Wow. I don't think we'll see another Hamish Rodriguez type signing. I, I really don't. 
which leads us on nicely, I think, to this week's themed 11. I wanted to do this for quite a while, actually, Dave. This is the adjective 11, an issue, you know, a subject matter very close to my heart, the language of football. And what I want to do here is pick a classic 442 of adjectives for each role in a team. The most classic one word, or you can, or you can hyphenate if you really must, phrase that we apply to each of our 11 positions traditionally. Let's start with goalkeepers, Dave, um, which I think tends to be quite a negative slanted thing because we tend to focus on their on their weaknesses rather than, than their strengths. So I would kick you off with something like erratic or perhaps its forefather eccentric, which I don't think we hear for goalkeepers as much anymore. It tends to be more of an 80s, 90s thing, eccentric. You don't hear it anymore. But then, although I was listening to a podcast this morning, Mm. Um, describing Jordan Pickford in those very terms, actually. Mm. So I still think you do still get a bit of that, I think. But yeah, they are, generally speaking, goalkeepers are a lot calmer these days in terms of their general sort of aura and their presence. They are more of a calming influence, aren't they? You know, they'll play the ball, they'll come out, they'll yeah. make sure they're sort of more on top of stuff. Yeah. Um, but that still wouldn't feel like... I still I still feel like eccentric or erratic. They are in the right ballpark for me. Charlie, I don't think there's a standout positive adjective we can use here, is there? Commanding? No. That's not for a goalie, yeah. is it? Well, it, you can command your box, but you can't yeah. be a commanding goalie. Mm, yeah, it's a commanding centre-back, isn't yeah, it? I mean, yeah, because I'm thinking like the hapless goalkeeper. Mm. Like I, I think that's my first memory of that word is in relation to... To a goalkeeper, maybe to a referee as well. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think this might be the only position in this team that's going to have a negative one. So I think it's fine to have that. Adrian Wharton bends the rules a little bit, Dave. He goes for bald American. Which is <laughs> 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 a nice touch. Yeah, uh, yeah. And very perceptive indeed. But you can't have it. That's two words. You can't have that. Um, I'm going to go with eccentric. Let's have eccentric. Let's, let's bring it back. Um, Do you know what it could be as well? Hmm. And more commentary is veteran, which I know could also apply to a number of positions. But just because just the bald American made me think of that with Friedel hmm. and how he played on into his 40s. for being a veteran goalkeeper? Because as we all know... It, it, they do play... Yes, it, it would be raised. But I still think even with that raised, I still think you might be talking about like a 35-year-old as a veteran goalkeeper. And I reckon there are more of them than there would be like... Because a centre-back, they still need to be in their 30s, don't they? Yeah, I I, yeah, I see your logic here, but I don't think it's goalkeeper-specific enough. No, it's not It's not exclusive. We need to nail this. And I think, I think traditionally goalkeepers are, are defined by their supposed psychological flaws. So I'm going to go with eccentric for our goalkeeper. But let's move on to our right-backs, Charlie. Quite a dynamic role these days. Plenty of words we could use. I kick you off with uh, this from Blinks, who... Uh, Straight in there with marauding, which I like. Mm. Yeah, marauding's good. Buccaneering, which I guess can be either fullback. I mean, that's hard, is it, to find one that's specific, not to... But you, I kind of think of those, you know, those types of words more about the fullback necessarily than the right-back. Marauding. Adventurous. Adventurous. Oh, adventurous is good. It does work, actually. That could be fullback specific. Yeah, no, I don't think you'd apply that to another position. Mm, because kind of midfielders and strikers are, by, you know, they should be up there yeah. already. <laughs> the adventurous striker. <laughs> Very adventurous striker, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that doesn't work. Yeah, Dave, that, it isn't just about dynamism. It's about ambition as well, isn't it? So we need something that kind of encompasses both. So I, I do like adventurous. But I also like marauding. Buccaneering is good. Um, would you like the casting vote here? I like marauding. Buccaneering's a bit too cartoony for me. It's a bit <laughs> too much. <laughs> Adventurous, yes, but I prefer marauding. It's a nicer word. Good. 
Marauding's yeah. a happy medium between the two because th- there's an element of intent there, if if not quite as as fun loving as buccaneering. Sadly, right over to left backs then, Charlie. Um, we've got we've got our kind of gung ho right back. But what do we want? Do we want a more steady Eddie on the left? Words, very mundane words like steady, solid, durable, reliable. Yeah, I mean, I always remember like solid or fun, spectacular. Mm. I know that's three words, but that was <laughs> always is. the sort of the, the, the go-to when not really knowing how to describe a fullback, but setting on that as the default. I mean, obviously they'll have a cultured left foot often, but I don't think you would describe them as cultured in and of themselves. It's weird because... Whilst left backs are the more fashionable choice, then I don't I don't see them as more as, as more as, as much of a physical presence as a right back. So they're, d- they're mm. d- I mean we could focus on their artistry, but I do think it might just be about sort of a player who's who's happy to stick to his role and stick to his stick to his task. It, it kind of, yeah, but it does kind of depend on which sort of era you're placing it at. Because I mean you can say the same for both fullback positions, but like Andy Robertson and Jao Cancelo, like they they are they're not solid and unspectacular no. they're more spectacular than they are solid and they're classy like Cancelo's like a classy like mm. he is cultured Robertson's I mean, like brilliant like cultured. the basic is that like, is attacking but what's I mean, Matt Target would... Matty Target Matty, Matty Target, Target. <laughs> how the about cultured then cultured could work but it, I feel like cultured centre half is still the most yeah I just don't think you'd ever I mean like I say attacking is, is very basic but back in the day you would have heard someone described as an attacking left back but it is it's do we want adventurous boring. then? Are we bringing back adventurous? Yeah, let's do adventurous. Fine, fine. <laughs> I just no love the idea of how li- t- thinking of that literally and a fullback having an adventure and sort of. What's up? What's what's a word for someone like Robertson who is just relentless? Yeah, he's up. He's up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down mm. all game. He does everything, but he's you just so that into one word. Energetic. Did, did you say relentless there, Adam? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that is that is that basically what you're describing. I, I think I still prefer adventurous, so that's one we're going for. <laughs> right into our centre backs, which I think I think is 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 where we're going to uh, gather some pace here. Dave Jonas Spildra Jordet says towering, which I like because you can use that for headers too. I do like towering centre half. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, towering to me is just a towering header. I wouldn't necessarily think of the centre back. As towering in totality. You, you can have more layers to their physical presence. I think you might be right. What about commanding, Dave? Mm. Commanding good for you? Yeah, definitely. That yeah. Is, that's your Virgil van Dijk yeah. type figure who's just assured, strong, quick, good at everything, commanding, yeah. It's everything, isn't it? It's better, psychological, better than, it's physical. Yeah, and, and that's exactly why you can't have it as a goalkeeper, being a commanding yeah. goalkeeper, because there's just yeah. more to the position. Damn right. Um, I feel like for this one, Charlie, we could have had no nonsense. Our first hyphenated controversy. Um, yeah. Uh, I do like no nonsense, uh, although I think commanding is our kind of overtaken it in a modern context. Yeah, I think that I think that works well for we that one. We could have two then, here, couldn't we? Though. Yeah, I was going to say because then next to him, I've got do you other want ideas. The bo- I've got yeah. other ideas oh. for this. But what about um, agricultural? I think yeah. it's more for a tackle. Yeah, I think it's more okay. agricultural defending. Okay. Than yeah, yeah. A brand of defending. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, because then you've got the ball playing. I know it's hyphenated. Uh, the cultured, if you want that alongside the, the commanding. I mean, ball playing centre back was everywhere yeah. back in. Yeah, but I think commanding now Fernandes. has absorbed that. I would say you can absorb the technical oh, element. That... So I think commanding. Yeah, yeah. Um, Command agricultural by, defender uh... would only play in a farmer's league, Dave. <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. Yeah. Um, I also like grizzled. We don't see grizzled enough anymore. Grizzled. Uh, Neil McColl suggested that. I like grizzled. The gnarled. Mm. Don't you grizzled in any other context? 
than old centre-halves. You still get, coming back to this kind of, uh, you know, the um, promotion-relegation uh, situation, you still get, like, when you if you're in a team like Watford, who fans are talking about the inevitability of being in the Championship next season, they'll be like, oh, I can't wait to see Chao Pedro mugging off some grizzled centre-back next season. <laughs> but, like, they actually don't really exist anymore. Like, all these teams are... They've all got like John Stone's replicants. Who's the most grizzled centre half you can think of? I've I've got someone in my mind instantly, and I'm trying. Jerry to Taggart. Jerry Taggart was grizzled. Wow, Chris Morgan shot. of Sheffield United is the most yeah. grizzled one I can think of. Very I was thinking man. Uh, Dave Watson. Yeah. Of uh, yeah, of Everton. Paul yes. Butler. And how old these guys used to look! Like watching if you, if you watch now Green. those players, and they're now like our sort of age. It's very depressing. Right, commanding. Our first centre half is commanding. Um, as much as I did like Grizzled, as much as we all seem to have fallen in love with it, commanding it is. Alongside him, I want someone more of a David Louise figure, in which case I want to bring back our adventurous words. And Charlie, I'm going to go for swashbuckling. We have to have Swash- swashbuckling in this team. Swashbuckling is such a great word. Ball yeah, carriers. I mean, it's more niche, I guess, but there's definitely room for that to evolve from the ball playing of, of yesteryear. Yeah. Um, yeah, a kind of caution to the wind aspect to this, mm. Dave. Someone who's just going to take I mean, the that game is by quite the gung-ho. Of the neck. Yeah, yeah. I do like gung-ho, actually. But I think yeah. gung-ho is a collective mm. thing, isn't it, Charlie? Yeah, the team's Can, gone gung-ho. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm having a centre-back taking the game by the scruff of the, of the no, neck. No, I did. I did. I, I saw the sure fear in your that. eyes. <laughs> but, yeah. But just because big... you've never done it, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> well, neither of you, obviously. <laughs> True. Um, I did yesterday. I took the scruff of the neck and said, get me out of this position. <laughs> That's leadership. Just say yes to swashbuckling and we'll move swiftly on. <laughs> yep. Fantastic. Yep. Right, over to our right winger. Yep. So many words we could go with here. Charlie, I'll kick you off with nippy. A nippy winger, yep. A silky, skillful. More of a left-sided thing? Do you think? Elegance is more of a left-sided thing, I would say. Right wing is all yeah. about power. Mm, power. Pacey. Yeah, pacey. Pacey. Pacey's a bit boring. Let's yeah, let's have is, something yeah. a bit better. N- nippy, nippy's fun, funner than... Uh, nippy's good, nippy's. isn't it? Nippy, but it also isn't like... It's not like properly quick, is it, Nippy? You wouldn't, you wouldn't describe Adama Traore as nippy. No, it's five yards, no. isn't it, nippy? It's, yeah. yeah, it's getting in and out of those little spaces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, nippy's good. Nippy's happy with that. It's all to play for over the other, on the other side. Um, so left wingers, uh, Charlie Edquoth the Raven says jinky, um, jinky which is very winger, Scottish. Yeah. Only Scottish wingers, perhaps. Jinky Johnston, of course. Pat Nevin was jinky. Mm, jinky is a great word. Oh, I like jinky, but can we have jinky and nippy? Feels like they're a bit. I don't know. I mean, can you be mercurial? Yeah, the same. Mercurial's is... good. Joe Tyler also suggested mercurial, as did I separately on my little spreadsheet. Um, yeah. Mercurial's good, isn't it? Or as a danger that it's a bit. Should we? It's have a bit it number like... tenny. It's a bit tenny, isn't it? But... I mean, that's the thing. It's a great word. It's just whether it's left winger or the number ten. I mean, I think we have to have it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to accommodate it over on the wing, Dave, because mercurial players do have a habit of getting of sort of fading out of games. And the best place to fade out of games is on the it, periphery, which is, is quite literally on the side of the pitch. It would would Wilfred Zaha fall under mercurial? I think so. He's and he's a left. He's on the left left wing, isn't he? There's a, there's a yeah. bit more consistency to his game. Yeah, I think he's maybe, right in. Yeah, I, I I think now he's less mercurial. 
Yeah. But I, but I definitely think they're talismanic, are. actually. Yeah, mm. yeah. We're Mr. saving Christa, talismanic Mr. for later. I, I, I don't think wingers should be talismanic. No. So yeah, let, let's keep them in the unreliable sphere. So Mercurial's good. So let's get, let's move into our centre midfielders again. I want some sort of partnership here, Charlie. So let's go with the let's go with the more scrappy situation. Ross FJ says tenacious. Stat City says we we must have a combative midfielder. Mm. Uh, I want to go off on a slight tangent and say I feel like they can be violent and scrappy, but they can also be impish. I like impish. <laughs> impish is great. Impish is yeah. Can you that be is impish and word. scrappy. Yeah, short man syndrome. Yeah, sort of Gattuso. Is Dennis Gattuso Wise. Impish, though? No, I don't. Beards no, and but that's not yeah, what I, we're looking for. Yeah, because impish, there's a sort of cheekiness. Mm. Okay, maybe we'll use um, impish elsewhere then. We want we want a violent man, Charlie. So what, what are you going? What are you going for? Combustible. Pugnacious. Quiet, <laughs> Drury. Chill out. <laughs> <laughs> the pugnacious. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think something like that. Hmm. I mean, maybe is that a bit? Is that a bit bustling. too much? Is that a bit Drury? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bustling. Bustling. Um, tenacious. Combative. Which one sums up this I kind of com- combative? Does combative. everything. I think it does. Fine, combative it is. So alongside our combative midfielder, someone who's going to cover ground, Mm. perhaps do it in a fairly stylish way, and throwing grammatical caution to the wind here, Charlie... I'm going for Rolls Royce. <laughs> you can use it in an adjective oh, wow. again. You can use yeah. it adjectively. No, adjectively. yes, <laughs> a Rolls Royce midfielder. It's fine. This is opening up that can of worms potentially, but I think also the sort of tireless. Um, you, if you're talking about that sort of getting up and down, box to box. I mean, box to box obviously is, another, you know, that's really taking advantage of the life rule. Yeah, getting in two. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to sort of convey that element of it which is quite important the in- indefatigable i was gonna go for indefatigable yeah but i can't i can, I can pronounce it <laughs> used, properly. used for saddam hussein and nobody else in my experience so unless he's patrolling our engine room i don't feel like we could use it i'm not seeing anything better than rolls royce here you're gonna have to impress me i think you could have talismanic in essential midfield oh really mm. yeah like a oh, jet yeah. steven gerrard brian robson brian robson yeah yeah, yeah, okay. I think because that's because he yeah the talismanic midfielder right? definitely this guy's our captain mm. yeah I think I think that's right talismanic it is yeah yeah I didn't want to waste it further up the field talismanic like Declan is Rice kind of is kind yeah. of that yeah. he's on his way isn't he yeah. to being talismanic nobs mm. at one point in his own mind mm. anyway sorry to go all Richard Keys here but the, the amount of people the number of people who think that the plural of talisman is talismen it's not it's nothing to do with a man it's a it's kind of like a thing that you, it's like a gold thing oh, that you so wear. Mm. That's a talisman. So talisman. Yeah. yeah, you can't talisman. have a team of talisman. No. So talismanic. He's our, he's wearing our captain's armband quite proudly too. So that's our midfield. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. 
Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is football cliches. Okay, let's move up front. Um, I think instinctively, Dave, we're going for a big man, small man partnership just for for the purposes of variety. So, what are we calling our big man? It's a very outdated 11, this. We yeah, survive in the modern so. game. Yep, um, showing our age. What are we calling our big man? Beanpole. Um, beanpole. Uh, the beanpole seems so weedy, though, isn't it? <laughs> it's not. That is quite derogatory. Yeah, yeah, we don't yeah. really have proper beanpoles bean anymore, do we? No. Crouch was the last beanpole, really. Mm. Towering? Can we have towering back? The towering centre forward. Yeah. Can we bring the it back? The lanky centre forward. Towering centre forward. Mm. Complete centre forward. It's a bit boring, isn't it? It is boring. There are better words for the small man. Like diminutive striker mm. is nice. I can we have nippy. impish? What about I impish? Think you could have an impish striker. Michael Owen, is he impish? Owen was Paul a bit Dickoff. impish. Paul Dickoff was impish. He could be. I think impish with like a dinked finish or something. Because there's a, there's, a, there's a hint of kind of being cute you know, about being I, impish. I think... Robbie Keane was quite impish. Yeah. He was all all his goals seemed to be a little bit tricksy and cheeky in their execution. Yeah, I like this. Let's have impish. <laughs> Let's have impish as our kind of impish sort is, of number ten. I suppose like even somebody like to try and haul it even uh, slightly into the modern day. Like Sergio Aguero has sort of had a slightly mm. impish quality yeah. about him. Yeah. I think anybody under five seven Timo Werner. He's a is, bit impish. He's well on the way to being... I, I wouldn't call Werner impish. I wouldn't call Werner sort of impish. runs about quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, <but> I, <laughs> no, you need to be a bit jinky. Yeah, well, I think also you need to be stealthy because I think imps are quite um, elusive and sort of... They're, they're hard to get a hold of. Yeah. Which is like... Where I, so you... Yeah. Which is, <laughs> you know what you're getting with an imp. And it's a difference I, between so an I elf think, and an imp. Who knows? Yeah, I think you need to have that uh, elusiveness. Okay. Impish which is why I think Aguero is quite a good shout. So let's have something a bit more decisive for their strike partner. Someone maybe focus on their on their career, on their goal scoring. Journeyman? The journey, yeah. Journeyman. I mean, I mean, journeyman really should only be strikers, Charlie. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you might stretch to a journeyman centre-back, but yeah, predominantly, it's a journeyman strike. Um, the the well-travelled or much-travelled? Much-travelled is good, yeah. Again, seems only strikers that get that. Similarly, Dave, out-and-out, out, that's only strikers, right? Out-and-out, out, number nine. 
I, 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 I'm happy to make an exception oh. for our hyphenation rule. Well, we haven't really got a hyphenation rule here, but I, I'm happy to have out and out here because I think it it ticks a lot of boxes. A good cousin of out and out recognised. <laughs> which <laughs> again, a very very strict set of circumstances. Yeah. It is, but again, that's such a strikery thing. Yeah. We, you know, we've only got one recognised right back. Oh, but you can what? have recognised centre backs. Red, you can have recognised centre backs, yeah. but it's still I think, predominantly. Yeah, they yeah, are left without a, a recognised goalkeeper. Yeah, <laughs> recognised goalkeeper. <laughs> Much like the athletic in the other side. Should we have out and out? Because it because it implies traditional. It implies, as Dave wanted, complete, that they can do the job in its entirety. And it also suggests, Dave, goal scoring prowess. Yeah. Great word. So should we have an out and out? No one's gonna complain. Who are you gonna I ask? think that's, I think that's good, because it's just such a lo- it's another one of those you stop yeah. and it's just such a ludicrous term. Is there a, or do we go down the sort of what was like clinical? Something specific to their ability. I just think it's. I just think I know you can have clinical strikers, but also I think half the time it's attributed to finishes as well. The clinical finish. A clinical yeah. finish. Out and out. An out and out striker. An out and out number nine, mm. along with our impish number ten. Mm. I like out and out because it will just look good in our little lineup. And uh, if anyone complains about the hyphenation, then tough. Brilliant. This is, here's our team then. Let's run through it before we move on to the final section of today's podcast. Our goalkeeper is eccentric. Our right back is marauding. Our left back is adventurous. Centre backs are commanding and swashbuckling. On the right wing, we've got a nippy winger. In the central midfield, we've got combative midfielder and our talismanic skipper. On the left, we have mercurial winger. And up front, we have an out and out striker. And his impish strike partner. Yeah, I think that works actually because, like, going through them as you said that there, I could sort of think of a player in the Premier League now that kind of fits for every every single one. Jordan Pickford, I think, Good. is a, is eccentric. Yeah. Jared Bowen's a nippy mm. winger, as we just said. Zaha could be a mercurial left winger. Robertson and Trent are adventurous and marauding fullbacks. Van Dyke, John. Stones. Oh, you're a Trent man, are you? Shame, real shame to see. Yeah. I think uh, that works. Declan Rice, who's com- you know, there's plenty of combative midfielders knocking about. Good. Alan. Glad we, glad we did instance. this, Charlie, despite there being a slight hint that we might have done it before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we should probably preempt those accusations. Uh, let's get on the front foot. Happy for anyone. We to may have touched it. on it. Have we done it in exactly that format? No. Yeah. If tens of thousands of people want to go back and listen to all the episodes again, and bump up our numbers. I'm very happy for them to do so. On the subject of doing something we've never done before, it's time for Keys and Grey Corner. But this time, it's a retro one. Okay, we go all the way back now to 2002. Listener David C433 asks us, have you ever covered Keys and Grey on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. I've always been aware of this vaguely, Charlie. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I think it might even have popped up on the, my YouTube recommendations or something, and for whatever reason, I've never <laughs> I watched it. it. I, I mean, it's mad that I've never watched it. It is. It is... In its entirety, quite something. But if we if we break it all down, we, the, the glory really does pour out. Um, how long did? How long is the full thing? Forty minutes, something like that. Okay, right. It's probably yeah. suggests quite a decent run. Yeah, yeah, forty minutes. But I've managed to. Uh, distill it down into its real golden nuggets if that is indeed how distillation works it's not let's kick off where we ought to kick off keys and gray entering time now 
to welcome our next pair of players this evening, Andy Gray and Richard Keyes. The idea, Charlie, of, of Richard Keyes and Chris Tarrant being in the same place. Yes. Absolutely absurd. It's that Spider-Man meme of them pointing at one another, Tarrant and Keyes. Tarrant went for the uh, grey first, Keyes second there. Yeah. On a tangent there, a very, very Tarranty little moment there where he does a little, as he gets up into his stool, <laughs> which only Chris Tarrant would do. That's completely <laughs> unnecessary and actually not suitable for a, you know, a high, high-grade TV programme. But yeah, there he is doing it nonetheless. So, um, as as with all celebrity guests on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, there's there's a bit of entry level banter just to ease everyone in, get the vibe going. Two big lads looking absolutely terrified. We have Andy Gray and Richard Keyes here, both of them sports presenters on digital television. Uh, only one of them has also been Britain's most expensive footballer, which Andy was back in. Well, it wasn't Richard Keyes, was it? Andy was back in the 1970s. Textbook settling in stuff, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, really nice, really nice. Digital television. That's amazing. Because I was thinking, I, it's so funny because I was thinking, oh, I wonder with the whole Sky thing how that was handled and that skillfully navigated. Mm. Uh, but it doesn't take long. Charlie, for Richard Keyes to start to lower the tone. So you sit there almost as the, the sensible, intelligent one, with this ranting Scottish person beside you. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how it's going to be this evening? I'd like to think so. He's very dominant. Oh, that look. Yeah, Charlie, this is this is oh. Keezy right at the end of his kind of supermarket-owned brand James Bond phase, I think, where he really, yeah, we start to become a bit more grizzled, let's say. Uh, but that's, it's too much, isn't it? None of that. Ooh, that's yeah. it. I mean, I wish our listeners could see the look he gives to the order, sort of Roger, uh, yeah, yeah, the James Bond thing, oh. kind of Roger Moore raised eyebrow. Skin crawl. Up next, Keezy introducing the first of their phone of friends. In a weird style. Oh, he, reedy? No, no. You might be surprised, actually. He introduced their first phone a friend, uh, but introduces them in a style as if they're a manager about to get the sack live on B in Sports. <laughs> now, interestingly tonight, one of your phone of friends, I thought it was an interesting choice, is Alan Shearer. Mm. How's he going to be? Well, that's be? a cunning plot as well. Because well, it is. Well, it's, there's no more sceptical an audience than the one we work to, which is football players yeah. and football managers. If mm. we don't do well here tonight, we are going to get absolutely hammered. Yeah. If we struggle... What do you mean, Neff? If we struggle, <laughs> it's Shearer's call. <laughs> He's contributed nothing. Shearer? Really, it is a bit jarring, isn't it? it yeah, but big pals with Andy Gray, apparently, or at least back then. So they're into the swing of things now, and um, they navigate their way through the first question, and there's, there's another easy one for £200. <laughs> question number two is for 200 quid. In the saying about what's done is done, it's no use crying over spilt what? Salt, beans, milk, drinks. What if we pause and put a bit of drama into it? Um, well, then you might be wrong. Yeah, might, yeah. Yeah. Embarrassing. We'll go milk. It's the right answer. You've got £200. <laughs> the first little bits of tension there between uh, yes. Tarrant and Keyes. Which starts to grow. Nice. To be honest, I only included that clip because of the way that Tarrant says beans. <laughs> Which is his equivalent of the uh, Richard Keyes name pronunciation. Yeah. Next up for £300, but this one is right up Andy Gray Street. Right, you got 200 quid. Question number three is for £300. Which of these words does not refer to the number two? Patrick. <laughs> Pair. Couple. Brace. You can predict the band. You scored a few in your time, Sam. Ah! Yeah, I scored a couple yeah. of braces. Which is two as well. <laughs> 
Uh, obviously, it's a hat trick, Chris. It must be. Do we agree on this? We agree on this. So, right now, you got three hundred quid. With him son as well. What are the chances of that question coming up? Eh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> well done, computer. Um, so, sorry, moving on a little bit, uh, they get up to 16,000 now. This is a 16,000 pound question, uh, which, which is where Andy Gray gets a little bit bashful and an impatient Richard Keyes mask slips a little. Who starred opposite Marilyn Monroe in the 1957 film The Prince and the Showgirl? Laurence Olivier, Tony Curtis. Clark Gable, Tom Ewell. I'm a big Monroe fan. I'm, I'm horribly, <laughs> horribly embarrassed that I don't know this because I, I love Marilyn Monroe. I've got books and books and movies that she's been in. When you need it, mm-hmm. and you want to pluck it from there, it's plenty time. There's no time limit. Okay, so we need a lifeline. Question now: Which one? <laughs> Keezy sounds genuinely annoyed at this point. Can we just get on with it, please? Look, you don't know it. <laughs> I mean, what a world we live in. Discovering that Andy Gray is a big Marilyn Monroe fan. He's got fan. books and films that she's been in. He says, wow. <laughs> Presumably, yeah, books about her. Yeah, yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, I would hope so. I didn't think of him as a big reader, but still. Of course, we haven't yet been introduced to their other phone friend. And of course, their other phone friend is Judith fucking Keppel, the first ever winner of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. What? <laughs> yep, oh, that's God exactly what Tarrant says, basically. We've got a couple of good phone friends. But the debate no that's the thing as well. One of which came here and won a million pounds. Judith Keppel. You don't know Judith Keppel, we do you? We know her intimate. What would Judith <laughs> be doing no. with two oiks like you? <laughs> no, I don't mean that unkindly. That's not as if a woman of her stature. She's her phone a friend. One of them. But does so she it's her it? or Alan Shearer? No, he's, he's Bob. <laughs> there is no Which chance. Which one do we go with? Now. Is it Alan? Is no it No Shearer. Judith Keppel. <laughs> oh, my God. Extraordinary. <laughs> this is like a dream dinner party. Judith Keppel, Alan Shearer, Andy Gray and Richard Keyes. I don't know who's And Chris Tarrant. Is. Yeah. <laughs> the, and the tension is building between Tarrant and, and Keyes, yeah. for sure. So, uh, to get this Marilyn Monroe question right, they call Judith Keppel. Of course, Keezy makes the call. I've got Andy and Richard here. Uh, they're actually doing surprisingly well. They're on eight thousand pounds. Eight thousand pounds. Yes, but with your help, Judith, we can get up to sixteen thousand. Okay. I'll okay. Try. Lots of luck. Thank you, Richard. Your time starts now. Judith, who starred opposite Marilyn Monroe in the nineteen fifty-seven film *The Prince and the Showgirl*? Lawrence. Thank we you, knew Judith. Judith. Thank you very much, darling. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. We need okay. no. We, Good luck. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. We go no further. Well, you wouldn't have got that from Alan Shearer, would you? No, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. Craig Bellamy, he would have said. <laughs> <laughs> Is there more cast iron certainty of a darling than Richard Keyes calling Judith Keppel live on TV in 2002? <laughs> oh, incredible. Thanks, darling. Wow. Wow, indeed. So, yeah. They get the question right, and it's on to £32,000. The pressure is on. The question is, which poet wrote A Thing of Beauty is a Joy Forever? This is like penalty shootout time, isn't it? It is. World Cup final. Chris Waddle. <laughs> Euro 96. Peter's. Oh, dear. Gareth Trust Southgate. <laughs> you don't think Keats is it? <clears throat> Why are you saying Keats? Why is he picking Keats? 
Pizzi. <laughs> I wish I could tell you why. Lord Byron. Three's a lucky number. Bad, bad and dangerous to know. Uh, it's a bit like keys. Um, keys, Richard Keys, Richard Keats. Yes. Keats. Of course. <laughs> Richard Keats. Richard Keats. <laughs> uh, he was bang on, though. Got it right. It was Keatsy. It was Keatsy, yeah. after all. But I have to say, it took five minutes of deliberation to get to that point, after which there was something of a tap-in for everybody. How do you feel? Like I need a shave. That took so long. <laughs> yeah. Not, some, not something we ventured into before, but I couldn't ignore it. Not, not our thing, I have to say. But can't ignore the Keys discourse. <laughs> Give me a big ass. This is four thousand pounds. Well played. Right. Well done. Brilliant. Thank you. That was absolutely tremendous. But yes, yeah, so there it is. They ended up with sixty-four thousand wow. pounds for their respective charities. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Well played. I mean, good choice of phone a friend. I could have gone home with nothing. <laughs> So that is that was indeed the um, Keys and Grey on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in 2002 in all its glory. Um, are there any more depths we can plummet with this, Charlie? I fear not. No, but I mean, that was joyous. I mean, the funny thing is, I probably would have watched that at the time. There's a reasonable chance, but have no memory of it. But what a treat. Thank you so much to, uh, to the listener who brought that to our attention. Yeah, thanks very much to uh, David C433. Dave, highly enjoyable, wasn't it? Everything I hoped for and more. Squeeze so much into that episode. Well done, everybody. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be back on Tuesday with another adjudication panel. See everybody next week. Beans. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.